I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. Thanksgiving to me is great. I mean, you got the turkey, right? I mean, that was that's kind of standard, a standard fare. But something happened to some of you, and I, and I want you to be aware of what happened to you, just so you know you weren't caught off guard by what happened. I got a slide for you. This happened to you. Don't know if you know what that is. That is tryptophan. Tryptophan is what puts you to sleep after eating lots of turkey. <laughs> That's released in your body. It's like a melatonin thing, I think. And it just kind of puts you to sleep. And then you sleep through the games like Dallas Cowboys who won, I guess. You know, so you got to support that uh, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but that tryptophan overload happens at Thanksgiving. And uh, the leftovers, by the way, are still good for a couple more days. Uh, after that, please throw them away. <laughs> we don't want anybody getting sick. That's a public service announcement uh, in church. <laughs> Uh, I read, I read recently of a Thanksgiving meal, $76,000 Thanksgiving meal. This is actually a picture of part of that meal. Uh, there you can see some of that, like the beef that's there is like $700 a pound uh, kind of thing. I mean, it's just just ridiculous amount of money. It's like a one-time Thanksgiving experience for 10 people, $7,600 a person to go sit down and have this meal all professionally cooked and all of that. And, uh, you would think that, uh, the, so I was reading this article, and you would think that the person who was writing the article would have some incredible things to say about the food, and yes, they did, but here's what they said at the very end of the article that I read, and I thought this was great. It says, maybe your table, like mine, lacks imported meats from around the world, but that's perfectly fine if you realize, even at the end of the priciest Thanksgiving experience in the world, that sharing the experience with loved ones matters more than the extravagance or the price of food that rests on top. And it truly is about those who are with you. I was talking to my daughter who lives up in Boise and her husband works retail and so he was working all Thanksgiving. And uh, so she had, um, uh, what was it, tortellini uh, <laughs> for her Thanksgiving. I felt really bad for her. It's just that moment, right, when you as a, as a dad. Uh, but I know um, in that moment, it's who is gathered around with you uh, celebrating Thanksgiving together that's super important. And uh, Christmas is right around the corner, right? And I do want to encourage you. I know uh, Pastor Mark already mentioned this, but I want to encourage you to please take a bunch of these invitations. Don't use them as a reminder for yourself. Don't put them on your refrigerator and let them sit there. Let this be something that you give out uh, to everybody that you know so they can be a part of our Advent series. I'm really excited about it. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about hope. How many of you know that our world needs a little bit of hope right now with uh, some of the craziness going on around us? And so make sure you get, uh, get this into the hands of everybody that you know. We printed quite a few of those up, uh, so we'll make sure that you get, uh, get what you need. Now, there are not too many Thanksgiving songs. I've asked the band to kind of stick around and help me out here uh, in, this, uh, in this moment. There's not too many Thanksgiving songs. Uh, there's lots of Christmas songs, obviously, Fourth of July songs, but Thanksgiving song is uh, kind of lacking a little bit in that area. Um, but I think that there are certain songs that evoke within us 
a sense of happiness, a, a, a sense of joy, smiles, just kind of naturally go along with it. So I've asked the band to help me out a little bit here. And um, can you go ahead and play that first song for us that hopefully will put a little joy in your heart. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. See what happens? So you start singing it. You're thinking of yourself. You're thinking of your friends, neighbors, loved ones. You're singing happy birthday to them. Oh, it's so neat. Some of you are even mouthing the words. That's so exciting. Oh, that's great. Thank you, guys. That was beautiful. Nice ending, too. That was, uh, that was very, very good. By the way, it's um, uh, Carter Heckathorn's 18th birthday, if you don't know who that is. Pastor John and Karen's oldest son, 18 today. That's a scary thought. I've had two reach that milestone. I know how you feel, so it's, uh, it's great. Now, the next one, this next song, boy, I got to tell you, this is, this is really close to my heart. This, this harkens back a few years, but this goes right to the heart. So go ahead, uh, Mike there, just, just a moment. Mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just something, right? You got smiles on your face. The new one's coming out soon. Life is good. Oh, this is great. You know, here at that moment, I am your father. Okay, there we go. So Star Wars, right? If you didn't know that, I'm really, I remember when I was seven years old seeing Star Wars for the very first time in the theaters, first run. Oh, and they, oh it's just beautiful. Tears to my eyes. It's great. So now this next one. So just, just have to go because this. Ah, yes. It's a Christian song. It talks about believing. It's good. <laughs> oh, wow. They're going better this time. There we go. Do, do, do. Da, da, da. Now I can't shut them down. They're just going to keep going through the whole thing. <laughs> okay, some of you are starting to sing it. Very nice. I like it. I like it. I like I can't believe you know that song. <laughs> Don't stop believing, right? A little journey right there. Well, if there was a Thanksgiving song, I think it would probably be Great Is Thy Faithfulness. I think it's one of those songs that kind of captures that moment. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. We're actually going to sing, uh, sing that song. Uh, every one of these songs evoke an emotion to them, but this song is one of those where that emotion turns, right? And it turns up, and we, uh, we're really grateful uh, for the Lord and all that he has done. So, Stephen, why don't you lead us in that chorus? Thank you. Great is thy Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, all I have needed thy hand has provided, and great is thy faithfulness, Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's give the band a hand. Thank you guys so much. And you can be seated. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we have an incredible worship team uh, who week after week after week after week dedicate uh, so much practice time and uh, so much to really uh, kind of setting the table for us when we come here uh, to meet with the Lord. So I'm so appreciative of them. Um, 
So if you pay attention to leadership studies, uh, if you do any reading and things like that, and maybe even go on and search blogs about leadership, one of the things that you will find uh, that's kind of a growing importance uh, in today's world is this, this really big idea of gratitude. And uh, it's one of those kind of forgotten arts that happen or that should be a part of our lives as a natural part of our leadership and a natural part of the way that we interact uh, with the world around us. Um, And when you search those books and those blogs and uh, online self-help sites, they encourage this habit of thankfulness or habit of gratitude that is so desperately needed, needed in our world today. And in fact, there's something that happens to us when we are a grateful people. There's, there's truly something that happens within our psyche, our mind, our heart, our, our emotions when we are grateful and we are better for it in the long run. Listen to this. A study was done and futurity.org is the one who um, kind of recorded this. And it says this, compared with those who dwell on daily hassles, people who take time instead to record their reasons for giving thanks, they exercise more regularly that's good, right? If you, want, if you want to get in shape, be thankful. It just happens naturally at that point. That's great. Um, they complain of fewer illness symptoms. They feel better about their lives overall. They also feel more loving, forgiving, joyful, enthusiastic, and optimistic about their futures, while their family and friends report that they seem happier and are more pleasant to be around. So this is what happens when we are a grateful and a thankful people. And I think God understands that about who we are. And so he talks a lot about being thankful throughout his word. And it should be something that we as believers, we should have the corner on the market of being thankful. We should be truly grateful about the things that have happened uh, in our lives and the way that God has been with us. Now, around, unless you think this is something new, back in 50 BC, so that's a few years ago, a guy by the name of Cicero, uh, Marcus Tilius Cicero, he said this about gratitude. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but it's the parent of all the others. It's the parent of all the other virtues. And this is pretty high praise coming from an orator, somebody who was a speaker, that's what he did. He was a prose stylist, and on top of that, he was a politician, <laughs> And yet, here he is, I think, um, keying in on something that we need to see more of from our own politicians in the world around us, right? A sense of gratitude and gratefulness and thankfulness should be part of our lives. So, gratitude is something that needs cultivation in our lives. It's relatively simple, in theory, to be a thankful person. Most of the time, it's as simple as noticing the world around you. Uh, basically acknowledging and paying attention to the people, the experiences, the moments that you encounter each day, and to welcome each one of these as gifts into your own life. To be thankful for them. But this is not as easy as it sounds, right? To take every moment of our lives (laughs) and be thankful for it. Well, for decorators, uh, colors and light become important when it comes to uh, evoking emotion. Like you don't want to paint your toddler's room bright red. (laughs) That ends up being a really passionate, angry color, and that might negatively impact them, right? Um, And so uh, they recognize that that colors have have a real deep impact on us. And the brighter colors are generally the happier colors. And then you've got the darker colors 
um, that represent kind of the moodiness and kind of the downtrodden uh, parts of life. And uh, lest we wonder about this, um, has anybody ever come up to you and told you, hey, I just want to let you know that you are the bright spot in my day? Has anybody ever come up to you and say that to you, right? And so that, that's that, that moment where uh, a brightness and a color uh, associate with an emotion. Same sort of thing could be said on the opposite side. And, and you might say to somebody, boy, you're really, you're really in a dark mood today. You ever told that to somebody, right? And so we, we get this idea of bright and dark or light and dark uh, in our lives. And for this imagery... Thanksgiving, I think, for us should be both in the bright moments of life and in the dark moments of life. Regardless of what's happening around us, we should be a thankful people. Uh, so we should be, and, and we're going to go through this one first, we should be thankful in the brightest moments of life. We should be thankful in the brightest moments of life. Now, this is the easy part of cultivating gratitude in our lives. This is it right here, being thankful in the good times. When good things, happy, it's, or good, good things are happening in your life, it's easy to say thank you. Somebody drops a pin, and, or you, you drop a pin, somebody picks it up for you. What do you generally say to them? Thank you. And that's a wonderful moment. I don't know of anybody who will, upon taking it, will just grab it and like run the other way and be gruff and angry that somebody picked up a pin for them. There's a sense of gratitude associated with it, right? That's, that's very easy to understand. Another thing is uh, thank you notes. When is the last time you wrote a physical thank you note? Not a text, <laughs> not an email, but a physical thank you note to say thank you. There's something powerful. Something happens in those moments. I'm going to talk about one of those in just, just a second here. Now, there's a deeper thank you that we should have as the people of God because we are redeemed. There's that Jesus has done something in our lives to change the trajectory of our lives, not only now, but our life for the future. There should be a deep spirit-engaged gratitude. And so, uh, like I said, shared earlier, uh, the, the Bible is chock full of moments where thankfulness is part of the relationship with God. And in the Old Testament, if you want to turn to Psalm chapter 50, verse 23, um, Throughout the Old Testament, thanksgiving is a natural and an expected part of the worship celebration of the people of God. Now, in the Old Testament, there were sacrifices that were made, and uh, it's it's kind of a system that no longer exists in our world when it comes to our our Christian faith. Uh, But back then, uh, there were sacrifices involved, and there were certain ones that they had to do as the people of God if they were to be in right relationship with God. But there was a whole set of other, um, of other uh, kinds of sacrifices that they could give that were purely optional. One of those was a thanksgiving offering. And that thanksgiving offering, regardless of what's going on in their life, uh, a family could be excited about uh, an, extra, uh, an extra amount of their crop for the year or something good going on in their family. God gave them that ability. He said, hey, if something great is going on, present a thank offering, and here's how you go about doing that present a thank offering. And I love what it says in Psalm chapter 50, verse 23. It says, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Think about it for a moment. I I think it's on purpose that God is putting thanksgiving and salvation in the same sentence. I think there's something that, that we recognize that we don't deserve salvation, we don't deserve the good things that God gives us, and yet when he does, how do we respond? With 
thanksgiving. That's what the Bible clearly says. Another one is Psalm 107, verse 21. It says, he sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So think about that. Uh, God is delivering people from destruction and problems in their life. And it says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. There's a, there's a, a response to what God is doing in their lives. In the bright moment of rescue, they respond with thanksgiving. Now, tied together with thanksgiving and gratitude for God is intimacy with him. Because these offerings are freely given in the Old Testament, uh, under no compulsion, nobody's making them do it necessarily, but these are freely given by the people of God in response to the generosity that God has poured out on their life. Now, we've talked about Hezekiah a couple of times in the past few weeks. Hezekiah was this uh, king in Judea, and uh, he was bringing uh, around a lot of great uh, reformations for this entire nation, uh, doing some incredible things for them, showing them the right way, showing them a new way to worship God in this temple that they were repairing because it had, it had come into a time of disrepair. And uh, they, they got the temple all ready to go, and they're ready for their very first worship service in that consecrated temple. And it says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 31. It says, Then Hezekiah said, You have now consecrated yourselves to the Lord. Come near, bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. It says, and the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all who were of willing heart brought burnt offerings. Now the key here, Hezekiah says, you've now consecrated yourselves to the Lord. Come near, bring sacrifices and thank offerings. When we present thankfulness to God, there's an intimacy that begins happening between us and our creator. It's that recognition that, God, we owe everything to you, don't we, Lord? We owe everything to you. You are the only one that deserves all of our praise. So this is what gratitude does. It, it draws us near for our relationship with God. It does this. And our relationship with others, when we are grateful, there's an intimacy that happens there. Um, I was uh, going back through a journal uh, just probably a couple of years ago, uh, looking back at, at my life and just kind of reading through some of the things that had happened. And uh, I came across something that happened when I, maybe 25 years ago, and associated with this was an encouragement that somebody gave me. And in there, I wrote down the name of this individual. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I've ever thanked them for what, what they did in my life when I was just a young man, probably in my early 20s at that point. And, uh, and so I... I this is a little bit scary, but me, not knowing everything about the web, I was able to find their physical address just by a little bit of sleuthing online, uh, which is a little bit creepy, uh, but I was able to find their address, and so I wrote to them a thank you note, thanking them for something that happened in my life 25 years ago that more than likely they had forgotten, because I had forgotten it myself, and it was pretty amazing uh, to me that I got a response back from this individual thanking me not only for making their day, not only for making their week, but for making their year over just a very, very simple thank you note. And, and honestly, there was an intimacy that happened in that moment, and I've been in contact with him ever since, uh, just kind of off and on, uh, that started that up simply because of thankfulness. So I want to encourage you, be thankful. <laughs> in the bright moments of life, in the great moments of life, be thankful. 
And Jeremiah also gets in this picture of gratitude. Um, and in, in the book of Jeremiah, God reveals a lot of things that are going to be happening in the future. And so uh, Jeremiah is uh, listening intently to those things. And he, Jeremiah looks around at the, the, the world around him, and he sees the world in uh, kind of this destruction, desolation, despair. And that's the reality that Jeremiah is looking at. When God speaks to him, this is what God says, Jeremiah 33, verse 11. Thus says the Lord, in this place of which you say it is a waste without man or beast, in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man or inhabitant or beast, this is what he says, there shall be heard again a voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. And then this is the song that they would sing, give thanks to the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. I love this because thanksgiving is the first response of the people of restoration. It's thanksgiving. It's gratitude. And that should be our own response when God works in our lives. Now, there's a difference in the New Testament. Because we don't have, uh, we, we don't have uh, sacrifices we don't have necessarily this, uh, this uh, kind of worship that allows for that and endorses that. Uh, we have Jesus, right? And Jesus changes everything for us. I heard this the other day. It says, in the New Testament, the object of thanksgiving is the love of God expressed in the redemptive work of Christ. So in other words, now what, what happens is uh, the object of our thanksgiving, where we turn our hearts to when we are thankful, really no matter what thanksgiving is given, all of it goes back to the cross. All of it goes back to what Jesus did in, uh, within each one of us. For us as a community of believers, this is where thankfulness is now turned towards. You see, because Jesus redeems us through the cross. This becomes this focus of thanksgiving to God the Father in the New Testament. And it's true in so many ways. Um, when we look at the gospel, we see the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. It changes everything in our lives when Jesus becomes Lord to us. There is nothing that is untouched by the gratefulness that we have for what Jesus has done. Nothing. Nothing in our lives. So what are the great moments in your life? Maybe it's the, the birth of a child. Um, maybe it's a promotion. Maybe there's a, a family victory. Maybe it's Stranger Things season three coming out. <laughs> maybe it's spiritual growth that, that kind of catches you off guard at times. Maybe it's you aced the test in geometry. <laughs> maybe a neighbor comes to Christ. It's in these things that we thank God, that we worship, that we present ourselves to God. I think of a couple that uh, was visiting with us last week from uh, Minnesota, and uh, they were here to, f uh, to finalize an adoption for a newborn baby uh, last week for the, the week of Thanksgiving. And I got a, a picture and an email back from them um, and just saying, hey, everything is great. We've got our baby and just so excited to see what God wants to do. And they were so grateful and so thankful over this like seven-year period of time that it was finally reaching the point where that adoption was going to be finalized for this newborn. Just a really beautiful thing. And then also I was talking with Pastor Eric and he shared with me a story of a teenager 
that was really caught up in the world around her and uh, kind of the, the one-upsmanship that comes uh, from our high school culture of trying to be better uh, always than the other. And she realized that that rat race wasn't going anywhere. And so she kind of uh, stopped doing all of those things and told Pastor Eric, Pastor Eric, I'm going to be much more involved in the youth now because I realize just how empty all of those other things are. Boy, those are the things that make me so thankful, especially when we see our teenagers taking those steps in faith to grow in the Lord. And I'm grateful for that and grateful for Pastor Eric's leadership. And if you ever wonder what the will of God is for your life, and we're going to come back to this scripture verse at the very end today, and we've read this one here in the past couple of weeks, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So certainly in everything refers to these bright moments of life. And I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet real quick. We're not closing. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet real quick. And what I want us to do is there are bright moments in your life that you can thank God for that maybe you haven't thanked him for at this point in your life. We're going to just take a moment. There's no music. It is just our voices. And I'm going to ask you to just kind of lift up your voice a little bit and say, God, thank you for. God, thank you for my neighbor. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for this circumstance in my life because, God, this is a bright moment in my life, and I want to give you thanks for it. So why don't we together just lift up a bit of thanks for God for the bright moments and the bright things in our life. Lord, we are so grateful for the bright things in our life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for the bright moments of our life. I thank you, God, that around this uh, sanctuary, Lord, that there are uh, voices being lifted up of, uh, of people that are grateful and are expressing thanksgiving to you, Lord, for saving them, for bringing loved ones to Christ, uh, for, for causing healing to be in their home, for financial blessing, God, for uh, so many other things that can be in their lives, Lord. We thank you for the bright moments of our life, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you can go ahead and be seated. Now, the flip side of this is the following, that I am thankful in the darkest moments of life. I'm thankful in the darkest moments of life. For me, this is a bit tougher. But there's an urgency associated with this where thankfulness still has to be the core of who we are when it comes to even the difficult times of our life. I think of Paul, one of the greats of the New Testament, and he writes like, you know, what, fully a third or two-thirds of, uh, of the New Testament. He's got his hand in one way, shape, or form. Um, he has this incredible knack for gratitude. I mean, he's the one who said that we should be joyful, always pray continually, give thanks in every circumstance, right? Listen to his story that he tells what he has gone through in his life. Listen, what it's filled with and then think about what he wrote about being thankful. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, beginning at verse 24. He says, five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. I've never been lashed before. <laughs> Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things. There is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all of the churches. And yet he says to another church, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That, to me, is astounding. To be able to give thanks in these kind of dark moments and come to the end of this and be able to write to the churches and say, this is God's will for you to give thanks in the middle of the darkness. A bit later on, Paul is also writing to the Roman church. And this is what he has to say. So once again, keep in mind all, all that he had just written. He says, no, in uh, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a thankfulness that you can feel in, the, in what Paul is writing here. But it doesn't come out of a, of a life where everything has gone perfectly for him. It comes out of a life where there have been dark moments. And for my journey, as well as many of yours, the darkest moments of life, when thanks is given from a truly grateful heart, it's then that the darkness lifts a little bit, where hope is kind of granted to us, where faith rises and gratefulness overflows. It overflows because we recognize that God is with us, even in the darkness. That the truth of what Jesus says will never leave us nor forsake us, that's, that's a promise from God. It will never leave us or forsake us. Um, I've been your pastor now for about, I think this is week seven or something like that. And I just want to share a little bit of my, my story, a little bit of my life that's kind of made me who I am. Every one of us have stories, and if we took time and had, you know, one-by-one one testimonies of what God has done in your life, I think we would all be amazed and astounded at how God has worked through this congregation. And many times, at least it's happened in my life, where it's the dark times that bring about some, some truly um, uh, thankful moments, because we look back at them and we realize, God, you were with us. God, you, you, you traveled with us in those dark times. Uh, kind of grew up in a great home and uh, moved here in 1980, moved to the Salt Lake Valley and uh, went to church, went to Mountain View Christian Assembly and uh, was just kind of there. Was, you know, my family was very strong, certainly had belief in the Lord and uh, things were going really well. So uh, faith for me was not something that I valued. It wasn't something uh, through those early teen years that was important to me and in fact, um, I was able to uh, find alcohol, able to find marijuana. I had friends that uh, gave access to it and kind of was walking down that road. And um, lots of stories. Uh, maybe one day I'll be able to tell about some of those seasons in my life. Um, but that was the road in my junior high years that I was traveling down. And I get to my high school years, and that road seems like it's getting more and more firm in my life. And then my family began to fall apart. 
uh, where before there was a strength with my, uh, my mom and dad in their marriage. I've been married 23 years, I think. Um, and uh, things just began to fall apart. Found out that my father was alcoholic, had been drinking uh, behind the scenes. Nobody, even my mom didn't even really know that how the depths of this. Um, I didn't share this in first service, but uh, he would, uh, um, after work, he'd have, uh, had to have to work late, right? And found out that he was going up the canyons, like Immigration Canyon, and all these canyons where the roads go, and he would dig holes and put his uh, vodka, alcohol, whatever else he had, up in holes up the canyons, would go up after work and drink a fifth, and then come back down and, uh, and make his way back home. And so this was going on for a couple of years. And when it comes out, obviously, that begins to cause upheaval in a, in a family. And that's what was going on with my mom, with myself. And where faith was just kind of something that our family did, but it wasn't my own. I realized at about the age of 16, about 1986 or so, uh, when all this was, was kind of coming to light, that I had to make a change. There was something within me that was just growing like this, <laughs> Rich, this road that you're on. You're seeing it happen in your dad. Do you really want this? Is this what you want to do? And I realized, no, I don't want to do this. And so really turned kind of wholeheartedly to the church and to a new faith in Christ. About that time when I'm getting involved in the youth, turns out that our youth pastor had an affair with one of the kids in the youth and devastates the church and walk. I mean, just, I'm like, Lord, really? What is going on right now? What was stable is now completely unstable. Um, so in, in that process, eventually, my, my parents get a divorce. There's a lot more to it, obviously. My parents get a divorce my senior year of high school, and I, I still remember the day when a, one of the teachers asked to raise, said, how many of you come from a home where your parents are still together? And up till that point, there was a sense of pride. I was always able to raise my hand that my family's still together. And I remember for the first time not being able to raise my hand. Man, that was just a devastating moment for this 17-year-old kid as I'm kind of walking through this. Um, fast forward a, a couple of years, uh, my, uh, my dad remarries in 1989, my mom remarries a few years later in 1992, and, um, you know, so, so life is happening now, right? Uh, alcohol is still a part of my dad's life, seasons where he's sober, seasons where he's not, and uh, just some really, really tough circumstances. I uh, got to jump back a little bit uh, to 19, uh, 1987, in March of 1987. Uh, this was soon before my parents uh, divorced. I was working at Godfather's Pizza down on 7th East and, um, you know, just kind of minding my own business. It was a Sunday night and uh, working down there. And uh, 911 breaks in uh, to, the, to the phone system, and I'd never had that happen before. I mean, I've, that's just kind of a, a weird moment. And my manager says, hey, Rich, you got an emergency call. You need to take this, so walk over there and uh, I pick up the phone. It's my aunt. And my aunt says, Rich, you've got to get to where your dad is right now. You've got to get to where he is right now. He's talking about committing suicide. You need to get to where he is. And I remember... Um, Jumping in the car and uh, driving to Second Second South, I believe, somewhere uh, downtown Salt Lake, and uh, going up to the apartment and uh, knocking on the door and no answer, knocking on the door no answer, and fearing the worst in that moment, and open the door. And have you ever uh, seen those uh, kind of like horror flick moments where? It's snow on the TV. We don't really have that anymore. Now it's just blue, right? But now you've got, you know, snow back in the, back in the 80s. It was snow on the TV, and it was just a silhouette. That's kind of, kind of how it was, a dark room. And my, my dad silhouetted against the, um, against the TV and walk in, and dad, dad, and, and no response. And, and walking up and looking over his shoulder, he's got a loaded, uh, loaded handgun uh, sitting on his lap. And I take the next hour, hour and a half to sit down next to him and talk him out of the gun and 
you know, unload it as quick as I can, go around his, his room, have him tell me where all the bullets are and get everything out of that house so it doesn't happen. Um, and that became a, a pattern for my dad for a number of years where just that, that heaviness and weight and sense of despair in his own life and found out later he was fighting with um, uh, bipolar disorder and obviously the alcohol associated with that, just tremendously difficult time uh, for my father. So now we're up to uh, you know, mid-90s and uh, my dad still is maybe uh, sober for a number of years. And uh, the, uh, this really go to the fall of 1998. My wife and I were in Minnesota now in ministry. Uh, my brother still lives here in Salt Lake. And the, f- uh, the first Saturday of December, 1998, I remember getting a phone call from my brother. And uh, my, my wife was the one who answered it. And she hands it to me. She says, I think it's your brother. And I'm like, okay. And my brother and I at that point didn't talk a lot, but he, uh, he called and I had a hard time understanding him. And he said, Rich, you're not going to believe this but dad committed suicide. And I mean, just that, that devastation, uh, that's one of those, those calls you never want to get. He was on a business trip down in Fillmore and um, at, a, at one of the hotels down there and took his own life. And I remember, I mean, sitting at the top of the stairs of our, of our home, we had been putting up the Christmas tree and you know, all of these things uh, going around and it just crashes in that moment. And I remember catching the flight out, the last flight out of Minneapolis to um, here to Salt Lake and uh, going to Capitol Church uh, that day. I knew the pastor uh, really well at that point. And uh, going down there and having the church ga- you know, kind of gather around me in that moment. Here's this, I'm 28 years old. I'm a pastor. You know, I'm supposed to be able to handle these things. And, but boy, was it weighing down. Um, So they gather around, pray for me, and then we have the funeral and, and all those things. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, uh, thinking especially about this, be thankful in everything. That's tough to give thanks in everything in that moment. And I got to tell you, I wasn't happy with God. There was a, there was a, just a, a, that why question, why God did this happen, why? You know, I've stopped asking that question, and my answer to that is, now what do I do? What do I do next because of the things that happened in my life? But now this is 20 years, it'll be 20 years ago this, uh, this coming, I think next, next weekend, it's 20 years uh, that I received that phone call from my brother. Um, I can tell you that I can look back on that moment. And while there's still darkness, so you're never going to get away from that darkness and that emotion. And you just, you're not going to get away from that. But I can look back and I can say, God, I thank you even in the middle of that darkness. Because God, you were with me. Lord, I didn't feel it necessarily in the moment. You know, I, there's some people who say, I felt God with me even. I, I didn't. It was a struggle. It was, it was tough. But I look back and I can see God's hand with me every step of the way. And one of the things that's happened because of that because I've walked through some dark times of divorce where I was just not there and the alcohol and uh, mental health issues with my dad and, and the suicide of my father, all those things, I, I can look and I can see Paul's story unfold for me as well. And what Paul says in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, he says the, the same comfort that he's received from Christ, he can now give comfort to others. And so I'm able to look and go, God, thank you not necessarily for those things happening, 
But God, thank you in the midst of them because you're allowing these experiences in my own life to somehow bring solace and hope and healing so that God, praise can be brought to you even in the darkness, even in the heartache. And so I want to challenge you, and I know there, I mean, if we were to get up and tell the dark stories of our life, I know that there would be hundreds of stories of, of darkness and difficulty in your lives. But I think God can redeem those things. God can redeem them so that praise can happen, so that thankfulness can happen, even in the midst of those difficult, dark times. I'm going to invite Mike up as we uh, close out here, and I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Now, there's a difficulty here in our response here as we close out. You might say, well, Pastor Rich, this is a really heavy, uh, heavy closing time. But our response in these moments is, I think, what sets us apart in our faith. We don't deny that hurt and pain have happened. We don't, we're, we're not in this sense of what Pollyanna, right? That's that, that old phrase, the Pollyanna, that everything is great. But what we're able to do because of our relationship with God, we're able to take these darkened moments in our life and Christ can bring light to them and then we're still able to thank God in every circumstance in everything just like Paul said we're able to take those things and turn them for thanks and so as we close out here today what I want to do is there are some of you who've got darkness dark things in your life and you've never been able to give thanks never been able to look back on them and it's caused pain and hurt. It's caused a heaviness and you've kind of closeted those things off. I get it. It's easy to do and I, I probably did that for a season in my own life. But what I have found is when I've been able to look back now on those things and say, God, thank you because you brought me th through. God, thank you because no longer does that have a hold on me. God, thank you because now it's a story that can be told to bring hope and praise to you. So maybe that's you and you've got a dark thing that's there and it's been tough for you to give thanks. I'm gonna invite us all to close, uh, to bow our heads, close our eyes for just a moment. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.